Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Engagement Zone. Uh, as previously mentioned, uh, it's been a real fast start to 2020 and, and our podcast. What started out last year at about, at about one, one a week, the frequency, will end up being about two a week in 2020. Um, we really want to start uh, sharing the stories of these amazing people and, and workplaces they work in uh, from around the world. Um, Next week, our, com- uh, our gala awards dinner is being held in London, and with us today is one of the finalists, uh, one of the finalists in the experience category. Uh, it's an incredible story uh, that is probably best told by them. Um, so without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Paul from Sanofi and Paul from Rubica. Hello. Hiya. Hello. How, how, are, you got, how, how, how are you doing today? Doing really well, thank you. It's a nice sunny day now, so I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's been a very busy week. So we're all dialing in remotely for our listeners. So I'm going to say I'll say Paulo and Paul Frith um, uh, if you know when I direct questions. Um, so um, how 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 was Christmas and New Year for you, uh, Paul at Sanofi? It was nice to have two weeks off, I must admit. Um, it's good to recharge the batteries and, and come back into it fighting for a, for a new year. And I realised I had a really good break because the first day back, I got on the train on the way home and I was wiped out. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know why I'm laughing, actually, but uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose it's empathy. I, I know exactly how you feel. So, And how about yourself, Paul? Yeah, no, uh, I, I can certainly um, empathise with what Paul was just saying. I was ill just before Christmas, so uh, again, it's good to be recovered, good break, and then uh, straight back into a flying start. So, Yeah, I, I empathise with that as well, actually. This podcast took a small hiatus at the end of the last year because because I couldn't talk, basically. Uh, so I lost my voice uh, and I had a tickly cough, so uh, not that, not conducive to having a good conversation. Um well, I suppose without without further ado, as I said, you're a finalist in our in our experience category uh, next week. So congratulations on that, and, and good luck for next week too. Having looked at your story um, uh, around the Snowfy Primary Care Business Unit, it, it really really jumped out at me because, uh, as listeners to this podcast and people that know me, I'm a huge advocate of joining up the employee experience, the customer experience, because of the business benefits that it can have, as well as the benefits, to, obviously, to, to the people's experience. You're, you're improving and, and their, their life, both inside and out of work. Um, and the fact that you were trying to become more customer-centric with, with, your, with your customers at the NHS really jumped out at me. And, and the fact you wanted to empower your staff to support the mission that you know, uh, we help our customers help their patients enjoy a better life. Uh, at this point, I'd love to pass it over to Paul at Snowfi uh, to, to kind of talk, talk about the journey, and obviously Paul from Rubica to to, be, to, to talk about it too. To take us on the journey of how you made your staff uh, empowered, more customer centric, and the, and the impacts you've seen uh, along the way. Okay, thanks. I I think. Over the last couple of years, there's been an emerging trend in the NHS. We hear it on the news each and every day um, that there's not enough staff, there's there's not enough money, and there needs to be cost savings that are made. When the NHS looks that way, it also looks at its suppliers, and obviously we're a, we're a supplier of medicine. And we took a critical look at our own business um, and looked at it through the lens of probably the next five to ten years 
and whether we were sustainable as we were. Um, and what we came up with was that the future didn't look rosy to us. So we embarked on a, on a journey to really understand our customers and say, where could our customers and the patients that we serve, where best in the UK um, could we focus? We had to be quite ambitious and say, we can't do everything for everybody. So we looked at um, a number of accounts, probably two thirds of the accounts in the UK that had the biggest need and where we could see a Sanofi, we would um, add the biggest benefit. And that's where we came up with, with the idea of to be successful, we need to partner with the NHS. We had a team of sales representatives that would be out be out there day in and day out talking to um, customers with the NHS. That could be specialist doctors, it could be specialist nurses, GPs and practice nurses. Um, however, their time is precious and our time is precious. So to really maximize those interactions, we needed to really get onto the customer agenda and understand what it is that the customer is trying to achieve. And that is a skill set that we didn't have within the business. So we embarked on a journey with Rubica where we believed that if we can change our capabilities, that will have a positive effect not only on the business within Sanofi, but will add value to the NHS and more importantly, add value and improve the lives of their patients. So I know you've already mentioned our, our mission and our vision is that we help our customers help their patients enjoy a better life. So as a business, we then focused on how are we actually going to do that? How are we going to transform a sales representative into somebody that could manage their own local business and become a capable business owner? And that's where we employed the help of Rubica. Fantastic. I suppose a good point for you to, to take off, Paul. Yeah, I mean, certainly from our point of view, uh, the Sanofi team had just come out of the changes that they were making. They'd made the decision, as Paul has just explained, about what they needed to look like moving forward. We've got their mission statement. And so we actually got to join them at a very exciting time where we were trying to re-engage the team actually to, to bring them forward and get excited about what the future looked like with the new uh, mission and vision and everything they had. But it was also about helping them go on this journey, and we called it the KAE journey, um, but how can we help them to go on that journey to develop and to become these uh, business owners? But also how do we actually then start to enable them to work slightly differently internally and with their customers? So there was lots of extra elements around it about working cross-functionally, uh, working with customer facing and non-customer facing teams in order to achieve this mission. And so the KAE journey that Sanofi embarked on was very much about upgrading that capability as Paul talked about, but that was organization wide as well as actually the, the customer facing teams. So a really exciting uh, time to, to be with them and to actually join them on that journey and learn things together. So, so, and um, I'll direct this to, to either of you. Um, what what did that entail? How did you go embark on this journey to become more customer centric and, and improve the your, the experience internally too? I'll, I'll take that. Where did yeah, you begin? I'll, 
<laughs> I'll take that one first. Um, you mentioned earlier you, your passion for putting people first. As a, as a business, we structured around four key pillars. The first one was about people and making sure that we equip our people with the right skills to do the job now and into the future. We then focused on practical innovation to make sure they have the tools that are available to them to deliver what is needed. We then looked at our own internal processes because let's not underestimate how processes can impact the daily life. And if we get those three things right, it will lead to achievement and our, our brands will start performing to the levels in which we, we anticipate them to. So everything started with putting people first. Anything to add, Paul? The starting point for me was actually hearing the Sanofi and Paul and, and the team explain about their pillars. One of the things, one of the first conversations I remember having with Paul was actually how do we then bring that to life? We're going to do these things. We have these pillars. We have this focus. But we need to then really help the team to understand that this is real. It's not just words on a slide and actually know that we're all learning this together. So how do we convince everybody that we really are putting our people first? And, and the team were learning to do that. They already did it in all kinds of different ways. But it was also finding some of the areas that they uh, that they wanted to change and actually make it so that uh, they were putting people uh, even more at the forefront. So they were already good in all kinds of areas. But we needed to almost stretch that and make it feel more real for the teams. And so how do we therefore devise a program as we started to work with various teams that brings that to life? Uh, and so we were looking then for a program that would enable us to do that and a series of interventions that would uh, really start to breathe life into, into this vision and this ambition that the leadership team had and, and help the teams, the managers and the leaders to really start to explore that identify the things that they think would add the value most in the forefront at the beginning and then over time start to expand on that and actually push it a little bit further. Are you able to start to you know flesh that out a bit and tell us what you've done because uh, I think you know like you say it's it's putting people first is I think probably the, the aim of most people that you know will be listening into this but it's incredibly hard to put it into action and successfully sometimes. I can start with that, Paul, if you don't mind, and then you can fill the gaps. Um, the, the very start of the process was we had to have a critical look at where we want to actually end up. And we knew that this, this was going to be a journey because this was all about organisational change. And organisational change doesn't happen overnight. Um, so as, as a leadership team, we created a, a, a results map which reflecting back now didn't make much sense at the time about how we were going to transition through it. So we knew that we needed to become more sustainable in our performance. We knew that we needed to build partnerships with our most important customers. We needed to create a sense of pride in our own business unit within Sanofi. So people are proud to work for their, for, to work within the unit because if people are proud, we have the belief that they will go the extra mile and not just do what's on their, their job description. And then we wanted to help our accounts to meet their own challenges, um, which could be anything from reducing time, effort and cost 
when it's looking at their patient pathways and how patients navigate through our NHS structure from out in primary care to when they go into secondary care and have insulin initiated, for example. So that, that was our start point. What we then did was we embarked on trying to tell this story to the organisation because a lot of times organisations decide they're going to change and immediately implement and start with the change. We took the view of telling the organisation that we're on a journey, this is where we're going and we would like you to be part of that journey. And to be part of that journey, we will we will upskill. We don't know all of the answers at this point in time because as a leadership team, it was it was new to us as well. And we had faith in the Rubica team to keep challenging us and asking us questions. So we didn't get siloed and um, a single focus. So our very first start point was bringing our sales team together in very small regional groups so that they were safe and friendly. And we introduced a framework um, to them, which was really aimed at understanding the customer and the customer account and how the, can we synergize what we are doing with what they are trying to achieve? Because it's a bit cliched, but if we can identify the win-win opportunity, then we've got a greater chance of success than just constantly going into an account and pushing our own agenda. So we spent um, probably the first couple of months of the year really focusing in on why is it important and then giving the teams the chance to practice by building um, business plans in a very simple way that can then be peer reviewed by their peers because everybody's on this journey at the same time, which allowed us to really start introducing we're doing things differently. By introducing peer review, it takes some of the pressure off because it's not a top-down um, approach. And that allowed us to try and get us to a baseline in the organisation. And, and from, your, from your perspective, Paul, outside looking in. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the, one of the things we're working with uh, the Snoopy team on is to make this, Paul's already said, it's an organisational change. To make that happen, we were very keen as a programme and as a joined up team together that that meant we needed to enable changes at an individual level, people on the ground, at the team and the manager level and at the leadership level. So, again, as Paul's described, uh, they very much bought into the fact that actually change at all of those levels was required. It wasn't just the customer-facing teams that were going to make uh, changes or need a change in mindset. And that was a really positive starting point. As Paul said, they didn't know the answers. None of us did. But it was actually identifying that's the way of working. That's how we're going to actually empower the people and, and improve the, uh, that's how we're going to improve the ways of working and the employee experience. And then as, as Paul talked about, that first engagement was then very much down with the individuals that were out client facing and giving them permission. A lot of them had worked with the same accounts for years and they were giving them permission to really explore differently. Uh, what do we really know about this customer? How can we know even more? How can we actually figure out the best ways of working with these customers to solve the problems. And whilst it, it, again, it may sound obvious, it was something that was new to a lot of people uh, because actually it, it was a change in a way of working. And it really was about opening up 
conversations, approaching things differently, seeing it differently. And that gave us our foundation then to starting to move forward with the overall program. We had a, an open or more open-minded team that realized something was actually happening differently. And we started to see some excitement come through where people were talking about, well, this is the way that I've always wanted to do the job and the empowerment that they were starting to feel. Some people weren't sure whether they really had it or not, as we often have, you know, when do we stop telling people they're empowered and when do they actually start feeling it? And you could see people making that journey uh, as they started to go through. And I remember fairly early on, uh, Paul and the team had one of their first conferences throughout the year, and they, they had um, some hot spots, hot spots, sorry, and they really then focused in on where the teams had already started to actually feel some benefit, to notice some difference, to, to actually have an impact with the customers. And uh, again, Paul could probably um, give you some better examples of it, but that really then provided some momentum both internally and actually in the, in the customer experience in trying to actually help get this thing really moving and, and build it. So obviously, um, you know, uh, Paul Snowfi said that you had your, your goals through this organisational change and probably looking back, they're a little bit different now. I'm just wondering, along the way on the on this journey you've been on, or continue to go on, I suppose, um, are there any like surprises that you know you weren't expecting? Uh, hence the word surprise, I suppose, um, like positively or negatively in, in in the journey you've embarked upon. Yeah, I, I would say I'll start with the positives. We we found that because we were becoming more of an inclusive organization and sharing our plans with the field teams, they were becoming more and more open with us and were telling us where the challenges lay. And then as an organization, we could adapt and support them to overcome those challenges and it may be as simple as there's a there's a blockage in an account which uh, the account exec cannot um, overcome themselves they need some support from elsewhere in the organization in the past it may have been seen actually it's, it's too difficult to get anybody to come out and see this customer but now there, there was this perceived permission to be able to go and ask for help without being frowned upon as if you're not doing your job properly. And that was amazing to, to see that change. So it's it's a one for all, all for one approach. Yeah, that's improving the processes right, right through the piece. <laughs> exactly. Um, and if, if I if I flip to if I flip to negatives, I I would say we, we talk about putting putting our people first, but how long do you wait until the results start coming in? And that was for the leadership team to to keep the bottle. If I'm if I'm being totally open and honest, probably the first three to four months in, we we may not have seen the results that we would have liked. And it could have been very simple at that point in time to turn around, walk away, and go back to what we were doing. So right at the beginning of the process, I said to Paula Rubica, how do we avoid making a U-turn because we know working within um, pharmaceuticals and medicine, there's not always the quickest of response rates. So it's keeping, it's keeping your nerve. And I think keeping the, the leadership team on the journey was absolutely fundamental. And because we're talking organizational change, 
not everybody wants to come on that journey. So you've got people wanting to see things fail as well. But we've, we've gone through that. Yeah. Well, I think, I, think, I, think that's awesome. I think that's an awesome, and I don't think that's a negative. I think that's a positive in the sense that um, uh, the people that the organizations that succeed, I think, see that as this is change. It's not going to, it doesn't have a beginning and an end point. It's a continue, continuous change. And, um, uh, and, and even people have to be given permission to fail and fail fast and fail often because, you know, nothing, sometimes things don't always work. But to that point of, you know, staying the course, keeping your bottle, how, how did you keep the leadership leadership team in, engaged in this and, and, and keeping them on this journey? Um, because I think that's what a lot of other people listening in what we'll struggle with you know how, how do I keep the leadership involved and and let and give me the time I need to, to make this work in the way I, I they think that might, might do that started right at the beginning of the process when I talked about the key results map that we drew up and that that became our north star to some extent and knowing that we are on a journey and it's it's really funny because we did a review of this in September and in front of the leadership team, of which I am part of, I put up the results map and we wanted to celebrate success. And I thought, what better place to start than looking at our results map, which at the start was really quite abstract to a lot of people in the room, if I'm, if I'm being honest. And I'm sure my, my peers would agree with me. And we put it up and every single bubble, I think we had about 15 to 20 bubbles that would highlight the journey that we need to go on. Everybody in the room could now explain and why that was important that we did what we did and when we did it. Um, so for me, it's having strong and aligned leadership ambition in there and intent. So everybody needed to be on the same page and one of the things the Rubica team did with us as a leadership team was help us build our story and our communication flows of how as a leadership team do we explain the journey that we're going on not only did that give us a consistent story it made sure that everybody was on the same page and I reflect back now to what Paul got us doing he was making us in our own time record what does key account excellence mean to me and we had to share it with our peers via whatsapp at the time that was us if you say something you're more likely to do something than just write something down write an email oh, cool. so i think everybody yeah. has committed to this journey and that's why we've made it a success so just you know if you know, putting myself in that room where, where you you know with the leadership team was, was it you on your own saying this is what we're doing or at, at the start did it feel like a lonely place or did you have others in the leadership team who were supporting you and, and then and then you got everybody on board? There, there, were, there was a, a group of, of two or three of us that yeah. had that probably had the responsibility out of the leadership team to, to take this away, shape it, form it and then bring it back to back to the LT. Um, and that was purely based on relationships i would say and trust so a lot of work had been done by our our general manager to build a strong leadership team and it's underpinned by trust without a doubt um and i think that has really helped now we, we, we hopefully will we'll be able to write this, this story up um uh, with, with your permission uh both 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 balls um but and it's not my place to say stats but 
some of the results we've you've shared um, from a business perspective have been incredible, <laughs> to put it a bit mildly. Um, are you able to share any of the business impact with us today? Like, you know, what you've seen this, through this organisational change and the journey you've been on? Yeah, definitely. Um, just have to be careful what I can and can't communicate. I will give I'll give you um, very very top line pieces. Um, we we are proud to have increased our operating income by six million pounds in a year, and um, which is fantastic. That's that's obviously through being smart with the way that we do things. Um, making some cost savings through some of the changes that we made, but also additional revenue um, that has come in through this this new approach. Can, can I quickly ask? You know, some of the changes that you made will that will that have come back in in the feedback loop that happened because you've become more inclusive? You know, so some of the processes that have been improved would, that, would they be created by the employees' employee ideas as well? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, my my role at Sanofi is the head of business operations and support, so I'm head up our business intelligence teams and our, and our operations team out in the field. So we're responsible for market research. So we ran a piece of research probably midway through the journey of where we're up to now. And we had 82% of individuals feel empowered and responsible for making the primary care business unit a sustainable business for the long term. That was phenomenal. We've also done some work um, through our general manager, who is part of the London Business School. And we've had um, the company culture was placed in the top 25% of business businesses that are efficiently executing their strategy, with Sanofi Primary Care being rated highly in four of their key areas. So we know that by putting people first, it is really working and is beginning to come through. We're not there yet because we, we understand this is a journey. But if we look at our, our strategy in the four areas where we were, we were performing well, it was, first of all, around alignment. So activities and investments support the strategy at every level in the organization. So we've got, we've got that consistency there. Performance, we're, we're scored highly. So our employees are consistently delivering on their performance commitments and achieving their goals. Coordination. So different teams, functions and business units work with one another across silos. So that's something that we have really broken with this project is breaking down silos, um, both with field teams and with head office teams. And what that has enabled is real agility. Um, and that's the ability to identify changes in the marketplace and to respond to them quickly Fantastic. and effectively. So so if I, if I look locally, um, some of our results in some of our key accounts saw growth rates when the national average has potentially been around the 8 to 10% mark of growing at 23, 25 and 19% respectively. And I talked about the research that we did internally. We also did that externally with our customers. And 62% of our customers noticed a positive difference in how we as Sanofi were interacting with them compared to the previous year. Yeah. And then that word of mouth will get around as well. And your reputation will grow. And you know, I think just people, people are always seeking 
uh, stats and information to go to their board and say, look, we need to put our people first because the, you know, it's now it's now a given that the impact it will have. And just listening to you today is just proof 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 points all over the place that what was a, a strategy is now a, you know it's tr- you've transformed your business by the sounds of it. Yes, and I, I'm quite passionate about putting people first. The biggest challenge that we have is getting the wider business to understand the investment in people. Why do we want to make it? And when when will you when will you see the return? And you won't you won't always necessarily be able to say this is the exact date of when you will see the return that you are looking for. But we put into place some markers for milestones to say if we're doing the right thing, our customers will be seeing a difference. Hence the research I mentioned. So it's to preempt that the indicators are moving in the right direction for the business. And if we put our people first and they are executing with excellence, business performance will follow within the next nine to 12 months. Um, so uh, we've actually now made history, gentlemen. It's we, we're now our longest podcast. It's uh, you know, um, it's fantastic. Um, it's an incredible story, and, and we could definitely talk about it for a long, lot longer. Um, I think you're obviously speaking at our conference, um, and we want to write up the story. But Paul Frith, anything you'd like to add before you know before before we finish off today? Um, probably the one thing I'd, I'd add is as I was listening to Paul recount. Uh, the story and things that we went through, keeping keeping this alive and keeping it front of mind was one of the uh, key things that we were working on together. And um, <clears throat> one of the one of the key ways of actually doing that was to really make sure that they were building in uh, time for dialogue as leadership team, as managers, and as, as people on the ground, and really helping people to explore a little bit like Paul's already mentioned. Yeah. What does this really look like? What would pockets of best practice? really look like where is it already happening how could we do more of that and helping the teams at any level really actually understand what that really meant and then start to actually apply it themselves and the more time or interventions or things that we did that enabled that type of thinking actually that's how you're able to keep it front of mind that's how you're able to help people when they were having their wobbles that this was the right way to keep going Uh, and so that has been a key thing probably the proudest part for me in this has actually been uh, the leadership team wanted the framework to be rolled out by the guys on the ground, actually peer-to-peer, and actually that I think was really powerful, actually getting people to, to passionately explain why they think this new way of working will support themselves and the customers you know, to their peers. And, and that was really uh, amazing to actually see. And actually I didn't attend one of those one of those meetings because they actually had the confidence to do it themselves. But no, thank you so much. It's an incredibly powerful story. Um, I wish you well for, for next Thursday at the awards themselves. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure anybody listening, uh, both Paul's are on LinkedIn. If you wanted to, to connect with them um, and also you can, you can come along to the conference too. Um, but for now, just thank you both and, and good luck for 2020. It sounds like you've started something incredible that will only go on to, to greater success. So congratulations. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody that's been listening. It's been an absolute pleasure, uh, like always, and we'll be back with uh, another podcast very soon indeed. Thank you very much. Take care.